Welcome to the Gabe Gallucci Golf Show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the first interview for the Gabe Gallucci Golf Show. And listen, I thought, you know, who's going to be the first guest? I didn't really have to do much thinking because I wanted to bring you guys to the most important person probably of this entire journey. And that is my coach, Max, who you always hear me refer to as my coach, Max. So now I'm going to bring to you live one of my favorite people in the entire world, my coach, Max. Thanks for having me on. I'm uh, honored, honored to be that first guest. 100%, buddy. There's literally nobody more important aside from my family and my girlfriend to this golf journey than, than you. So there's literally no one else that, uh, that gets the first seat other than you. And uh, guys, a little background on Max. Uh, he's pretty much played events on almost every tour worldwide. It, minus the PJ tour, but, uh, had yep. status on the Asian tour, the China tour, um, played some corn Ferry events, played some challenge tour events. Um, you know, you can, you can fill it in more max and as we'll get into your story, but very well-rounded, yep. um, has grinded on the mini tours, has played some bigger stuff and has probably one of the things I think that is incredible about max is his ability to have that perspective of taking all that experience and dialing it down into, being a great coach. And that is the person he's been for me. And so I'm excited to bring you guys uh, some of his wisdom he's bestowed upon me over the past couple of years, which has been a lot. And uh, yeah, so dive right in. Here we go. So brother, let's, let's give everybody just a quick rundown, like a five minute of, of you, your golf journey from, I guess, when you really started taking it seriously to, let's say, let's, let's stop just as you turn to coach, because that will we'll kind of jump into the coaching phase uh, a little differently. Yeah, sure. So, um, so yeah, so again, thanks for having me on. Like, this is super cool for me. Of course. Um, uh, so, all right. So I started playing golf when I was like 11 or 11 or I think 11. Um, I kind of started with my grandpa and my dad and, um, and then, but I was playing other sports. I was, uh, I'm from Southern California, uh, and I was still playing, uh, competitive ice hockey, believe it or not in Southern California. Dope. Um, yeah. And so then uh, I started playing basketball and I was still kind of playing golf, like a little bit here and there, but I didn't make my, I, I, have, I went to a huge high school, Santa Monica high school, and I didn't even make like the varsity golf team. My, my freshman, my grade nine year, I was on the junior varsity team. Um, and so, but I loved golf. I was, I started caddying at a local country club, Brentwood country club when I was like 13 years old. Um, and so I, I mean, I loved it, uh, but I was doing other things. So, um, and then kind of finally came time. I stopped playing hockey. I got a little burnt out on that. And I was like, all right, I'm kind of playing basketball now. But then I realized I'm probably not going to make it as a basketball player, but I was like, I'm going to play a sport professionally. Like that's going to happen. I just love sports so much. I love competing. I'm super competitive. I, whether I'm playing like cards or a board game or shooting free throws or whatever. Like I am hyper competitive. Like it is like war basically. <laughs> if I, if I'm like doing, I could say that firsthand um, that that is true. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I just love competition, whether, whether, no matter what it is. So whether we're playing rock, paper, scissors, or we're playing like a match on the golf course, like I just, like, I love it. So then, um, so, so then I just like kind of focused on golf. Um, I stopped playing basketball after my grade tenure. Um, 
and and it was just golf, 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 golf. I I couldn't get enough of it. Um, I kind I think I played my first junior golf tournament when I was seventeen. Um, I think yeah, I think I was about seventeen, and which is like pretty late late to the game for you know the high, really competitive high end junior golfers. I wasn't a great junior golfer. I was a like a big like seventy five, seventy six, seventy seven junior golfer if i shot like 74 75 i was like yeah like that was cool for me you know like like good day and um and then if i shot like even par i was like let's go <laughs> so um you know guys who were getting recruited to go to division one schools um were just shooting better scores than me um and i wasn't at that caliber uh so then i went i ended up still getting a golf scholarship i went to a small a university called Concordia University in Irvine, California. And I was there for one year and then they cut their golf program. So then I had to tra- so then I had to transfer schools. I went to a junior college in Southern California called College of the Canyons, which is kind of like a powerhouse junior go- uh, junior college golf team. So I was there for a couple of years. My last year there, we actually um, won a division like a small division 1 golf tournament as a junior college like it was kind of cool. We were just this junior college that was amongst these, like some D one schools and we just like dusted them. It was cool. That's legit. We're kind That's of this, legit considering yeah. like, like how much money and funding and like resources these D one programs get. Like that's actually, that's a pretty big banner to, to hang for a, for a school like that to take on that kind of competition. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So like our team was like, I don't know, kind of like a team of misfits. Like we had guys who like, you know, maybe they couldn't afford to play junior golf. Um, you know, their families couldn't afford for them to play junior golf in high school. So they couldn't get looked at by, by coaches. And, but they were still great. Like these like sick junior golfers. Right. Um, cause colleges don't really look at high school golf. They want to see like AJGA and you know, the, the big junior golf tournaments and stuff. So, you know, we had guys like that. Um, we had like our number one player was like 34 years old and, <laughs> uh, he like never, used his college eligibility so he like yeah i've been taking college classes and and playing the golf team and he was like like a plus like four mid-am golfer unreal <laughs> yeah so like that was like our number one guy and, and then um and then we just had like some other guys who were just like you know like good high school golfers and that was their thing so um and then we just showed up to this d1 tournament we're like you know had nothing to lose like we're supposed to not do well and and we did well. So anyway, um, so I, I was there for a little bit. Uh, then I was kind of figuring out like if I want to keep golfing, what I want to do. Uh, then I qualified for the U.S. Amateur in 2010 at Chambers Bay. Right. Um, when I qualified, I'm like, dude, I'm like going to win the USAM and I'm going to play in the Masters. Let's go. <laughs> and, um, and, and I showed up to Chambers Bay and I was just like, Oh my God, what am I doing here? Uh, like on the, on the range is like Jordan Spieth, Patrick Reed, Morgan Hoffman, Peter Uline, um, Brooks Kepka. Uh, it was nuts, man. Like, you know, I mean, just tour players, future tour players, you know, all the best college D one college golfers and amateurs. And so, yeah. So, um, so then I, I end up uh, finishing dead last in the stroke play portion of the USAM. And now I'm like, man, like, what? Well, I, I honestly have no idea what I'm going to do with my life. Right. So, um, so then I, I had one more year at College of the Canyons, 
Um, and I played really well. I won uh, five tournaments and I was like, all right, like maybe I'm actually kind of good at this. Um, then I turned pro in January of 2012. Um, there was a tour called the National Pro Tour uh, that I qualified. They had like a little Q school. This was before the Canadian tour was owned by the PGA tour. And, and, and then back when you I, could uh, make a living off of mini tours, right? Dude. Yeah. 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 Totally. Like the mini tours were like sick. Yeah. Like the gateway tour in Arizona, which isn't around anymore. was like, if you lived in Arizona and like you finished in the top, like 30 on the money list, you like scratched out like a teeny tiny living. Right. <laughs> so, uh, and then there was like the e-golf tour in the Carolinas, like same kind of thing. You could live out there and like scratch out of like a little living. So um, it's not quite like that anymore. But uh, but again, this was before the PJ tour came in and took over the Canadian tour and the Latin tour right. and stuff like that. So um, so I qualified for this national pro tour and um, in, I played 12 events and I made two cuts. And I was like... Phew. All right, I should have maybe waited a year, right? <laughs> but but it was a great experience. I got to travel throughout the U.S. It was great. Tony Finau won the money list. This is before he was like who he is now, right. um, and so yeah, it was it was awesome experience. I learned a lot, and then and then I you know played some mini tour golf. Side for, note before for before we years. jump onto yeah. that, that's the tour that like then didn't pay out, right? Like doesn't like yeah like they did they they. Did, they didn't. They go under. There was huge. I think Monday Q uh, infos was saying something about this tour. Like, yeah, it's like, like they just did. They go bankrupt or did they just bail on everything and didn't pay people? I, no one really knows. Uh, the owner of the tour um, apparently had like a bunch of aliases and <laughs> nice. different names. You know, like so it was like classic mini tour Love stuff. That. So. Um, it, you're, I've always said you're not a true mini tour player if you haven't been burned at least once by a tour. Got it. So that was, that's how I got burned. That, that's at least, that's what one of my, my old mentors uh, told me. So, um, so yeah, so that, that's, that was, that was my initiation into pro golf. And, uh, but you know, like, so I was, oh, I'm still owed, I guess, to this day, like a couple grand. So in the scheme of things, not the end of the yeah. world. Um, but, um, yeah, it was a great tour. Like I got a lot out of it. Um, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm owed one, one check from one of the two cuts I made. It was like our last event of the year in Indianapolis. We played unbelievable courses. Um, but yeah, it was great. So I learned how to travel a little bit. I traveled with a couple other guys and that's what I did. Then I played mini tour golf for a couple of years. And then I went over to Asia, uh, played in Asia a little bit back and forth. Um, then I played on the China tour, you know, going through their acute schools and, um, yeah, and it was unbelievable experience. I've could probably write a book on the stories I have. Uh, I've played, I don't know how I probably have played tournaments in close to 10 different countries now. Um, a couple few different continents in South America, Monday, Monday qualified in a couple of Latin America tour events and played a couple Canadian tour events. I've played uh corn corn. Well, at the time it was a web.com, not corn Ferry tour event. Um, and, and yeah. And then uh, fast forward to March of 2019, I was flying home from a tournament in Thailand. Um, a couple months before that in October, I, I thought 2018, I, that was the year I played my best. And I thought like, I'm going to get through Q school. Um, it's going to happen for corn fairy tour. And I, um, 
missed by one at, at first stage. It was in San Diego. I had like a 15 footer on my last hole and knew what it was for. And, uh, just kind of lipped out and missed by one, had to drive home from San Diego to LA uh, and do my laundry and hop on a flight to China for our biggest event of the year. And I missed, but missed cut by one there too. And that was European challenge tour event. Uh, Victor Perez won. He's like pretty big time player now. Yep. I think Robert McIntyre, Ryder Cup guy, just I think he was a top. He finished in the top five, um, and it was a it was a half million dollar event. It was uh, co-sanctioned with the Challenge Tour, and uh, yeah, I missed cut by one, and was like, hey, like I want to jump out of the airplane. Yeah, that's a long flight to miss <laughs> so, by one. Yeah, it was it was actually the only cut of the year, except for the the uh, the Corn Ferry event I played that I missed the cut in. Um, so it was tough. And, you know, I had just missed at Q school by one at first stage. And, um, I think realistically that's probably when, when I was done was after that. Um, but I couldn't quite throw in the towel completely and played until March of 2019. I'm flying home from a tournament in Thailand. Um, and, and that was it. I was done. Um, Actually, uh, the tournament ended in Thailand, and uh, a couple of guys I, I traveled with, uh, we went deep sea fishing uh, the day after the tournament. Um, and I was like just sitting on the boat, and I was just like eating uh, some tuna that we just caught, like fresh sashimi. Yeah. And I was like, "I'm done, boys." That's it. And they didn't they didn't believe me, and then then they believed me once like it was it. So um, yeah. So then uh, now and then I turned to coaching from there. Uh, a few months later, uh, I turned to coaching. And, and at what point in your, when during the, cause I forgot about this part of the timeline. When did you start working with Josh Park? So I started working with Josh in 2017. Okay. Um, I felt like I'd worked with some other coaches. Um, great. Co- I've never worked with a coach. I thought was like terrible. I've, I worked with George Gankis for like through college um, kind of before he was as big as he is now when he was like 80 bucks an hour. Yeah, didn't you say you're <laughs> and, like one of the first people you ever put on his, like when he was GG swing tips or whatever, you were one of the yeah, first I was like people one of, on his Instagram, right? Yeah. And that was before like, even like Instagram was big. So, uh, so yeah, it was like one of his first Instagram, like swing videos. Um, and then, yeah, so I worked with George. I worked a little bit with Dana Dahlquist back in the day a little bit. Um, uh, you, you know, even before he was as and big yeah, as yeah, I think he was Dana's just Dana's massive now. Like, yeah, he was just in the top. I still like, you know, communicate with both of those guys. I don't know, a couple times a year just to like check in. And, um, I think Dana like was just voted like top 10 golf digest. So, um, super cool. They're both great dudes. Um, I worked with Logan Scott. Uh, he's the director of instruction at Oakmont country club in California. Uh, and I worked with John Ray Leary, who's also a pretty big coach in Southern California. Um, and then I just felt like I needed a little bit something else. Um, in 2017, I felt like to really get to that next level, uh, I needed to get better technically. And I kind of doing a little research. And I felt like Josh technically was going to be the guy for me. He was um, just off of like friends that worked with him and knew him. He was a very technical golf coach. Um, little not so much of a player's coach more like like a swing technician than than a golf coach so um that was the guy for you know that's guy I rolled with for until until the end and and 
where was, cause it would say your swing now is probably closest to what it was during that time. Like from the swings I've seen from you, that kind of set a little bit, a little bit. I try to, my body doesn't work as well as it did then when, uh, you know, when I was putting in the, the work into my body that I used to. And, um, you know, I'm also like, well, that was 2017, 2018. Um, so, you know, a few years, a few years ago now, um, and now I'm older and, uh, you got that dad strength though. Cause now you're a father. So yeah, hit it the same distance. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I pretty much hit it the same distance, just not quite as efficiently as I used to. And, um, probably lost like a teeny bit of speed, but um, I have some yeah. videos of Max's swing from that era in like a photo and like an album on my phone. And they just make me want to throw up. Cause they're so good. Like, especially <laughs> it, like it was, it was the efficiency, the, you know, it's the, it's the economy of motion in, and I think that was the big, one of the big things for me, like, so it's interesting. So as you guys can see, like, obviously the breadth of experience here is, is wild, right? Like we're talking playing golf on multiple continents continents, you know, adjusting to different grasses, different conditions, different people, different climates. I remember you telling me, you know, playing on uh, some of the Asian tour events, like it's so humid, you wear rain gloves instead of mm-hmm. normal golf glove, you know, to, you know, so yeah. just that depth of experience. And I think this is, you know, coming now to your coaching era, I think this is what makes you so great as a coach being one of your students is your ability to pull from so many different things. Like you're, nothing you tell your student is like theoretical. It's, it's all pretty much been lived. And there's very few situations, um, both extreme and not extreme in a tournament, um, that you haven't been through yourself. And I think that's, yeah, totally. I think that's a, that's a, been a massive weapon. Um, and then also, you know, to be able to kind of play in that level, the level of consistency required. And I'd say, guys, this was the biggest eye opener for me. So when, uh, when you and I met was early 2021, and this is when I, I was like feeling pretty good about where I was in my golf journey. And I remember like you and I played yeah. and I went, oh, fuck. <laughs> I went, fuck. Cause I, I, at the time I'd never seen your caliber of golf in, in person. Right. 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 I've played with some good players. But I would say of every person I've played with and or watched, I have like you are in the top fucking one percent of of players I've seen. And it's and it's like it's big things and little things. And I think this is where, you know, sometimes even when we look on YouTube golf and we get we see guys who we think are really good, you know, or, or some of these golf influencers. And then it was seeing you play in person. I was like, wait, no, no, wait a second. There's a whole other caliber of golfer that we're not seeing. And I think that's a lot of the world. That's the world you lived in. You know, I think as golf has kind of evolved and, you know, I think we have expectations of, of a lot of these golf influencers and things like that. And we're like, Oh, like they could make it. They could, they could potentially go. And I'm like, guys, no, no, no. You haven't seen, you haven't seen the guys who, who have done this grind and have the chops and still came up a little short and yeah. the consistency that they have on a day to day. Cause I think with, you know, with you, even to this day, without the grinding that you, without, you don't like now you're full-time coach, you're full-time dad, you don't grind the level that you grinded. And you, I remember, was right. it some, I can't remember when we shot last year and you just rolled up to, uh, 
was it Northlands? What was that course you, you shot 62 at? Oh, no, uh, Newlands. Yeah. Newlands. <laughs> he just rolls up on like a fucking Wednesday morning and just drops 62. And it's like, okay, cool. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> I don't, you know, I, you know, I don't, I, I don't always shoot 62, but, but, you know, and I had, I had a day, um, but, but yeah, like, um, you know, a big eye opener for me was in 2014, I think it was, I was um, playing a mini tour event in Arizona. Um, and I'm not going to say the name, but I was paired with the guy who's uh, now on the PGA tour. Um, and he was an older guy. Uh, he ended up making it to the PGA tour at, uh, late thirties, uh, a few years ago. But, um, I, so he was older than me, uh, then, uh, by a few years and I was in my like mid twenties and I thought I was like, good. <laughs> and, um, I was probably making maybe like two thirds of my, of my cuts in mini tour golf. Um, and this was like, these are competitive mini tours. Like guys are hungry in Arizona and the States, like, you know, um, and so, um, I'm paired with this, this guy is veteran player. And, you know, um, I, I think I may be like made the cut and, and finished at the bottom and he was leading after two days. We were paired together the first two rounds and like this guy's game was just like, so like vanilla. It was like, just like, so unimpressive and he was like leading after two days on an easy golf course um that you had to like basically shoot nothing on if you wanted to be in you know in contention um and and at the end of and and like he wasn't like an impressive you know athletically he didn't like bomb it like he didn't hit it short but he wasn't like there wasn't anything like that stood out and i was just like what like and he always played well always like he never wasn't like towards the top of a leaderboard that I, of a tournament that I played in. And so after the second round, I said, Hey, can I like, can I buy you lunch and like, just kind of pick your brain a little. And he said, sure. And I said, Hey man, like I'm so much more athletic than you. And you know, if we went for a foot race right now, I'd dust you. Or if we had like a jumping contest, like, you know, I beat you, but like, dude, you wax me on the course. Like every tournament I play in that you're in, like, what are you doing that I'm not, you know? And he just said, how do you practice? And I'm like, well, I don't know. Like I, I hit balls. I put a chip. He goes, no, 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 no. That's mini tour bullshit. Like, you know, if you're not having very structured, you know, treating it like a job, um, you know, very structured, you know, you don't just show up to your, to your desk of a day job and kind of dick around on your computer. Like you're going to have a very structured, structured schedule on how you get things done and that's kind of what i have to do because i don't have the athleticism that say you have so um it kind of hit home with me you know like basically he was just able to like out pro me right you know uh, is a term i like to use he was a true pro and so then i kind of started to pick up some things and learn how to practice better and you know it was uh i learned how to basically like not be great and shoot better scores and so and just by being a better pro and so i'm able to kind of still use some of that mindset to this day and you know when i still play i see it i see it all the time i think this is so you know when i look back at your impact on me and i would say you know that was one of the actually vanilla is an interesting word because i remember 
like I I think I've hit you. I've seen I've seen you hit maybe a few shots that I go, oh whoa, like like that three wood on uh, the the back to back perfect three woods when I caddy for you. <laughs> I caddy for Max in an event, yeah. which is actually great experience. I recommend to anybody if you have a good player or your coach who is a good player or anybody caddy for them because seeing them in a tournament mode is unreal. Um, but I, I digress is that, you know, a lot of your stuff isn't spectacular to watch, but it's extremely effective and there's yeah. very little volatility. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Like, totally. And, I know, I yeah. know how to really squeeze out around, um, and I'm not even like the best putter. Like if I was a better putter, I could probably squeeze out more. Yeah. Um, to be honest. But you know, I think I played like nine tournaments here locally. I really only play locally now. Um, and I think in my nine tournaments, I probably had like, Oh, there's like 19 or 20 rounds that I played of tournament golf. Um, I think I had like three bogey free rounds. Um, and, and I go, you know, I shoot bogey free rounds. I mean, not like all the time, but like, you know, a handful of times a year, just because I know how to like not mess things up too bad. You know, yeah. it's not really how many good shots I hit. It's kind of like how many really bad ones I don't hit. Yeah. There's no compounding of errors. Like when I saw it, it was like, there's no compounding errors. It's like, if there's a bad one, you're, you you get out of it and you move on and then it's fine. And yeah. so I learned a lot of, you know, from a technical perspective, there's not a lot of, uh, you know, there's not a lot of fuckery in in your technique, and I think I learned a lot in that. You're not freewheeling it. You very much know what you're doing, and I had to, that was a big thing for me. It's like you're not guessing out there. You know right. what you're doing, so I was like, okay, got it. Yeah, like you're not just freewheeling it, and it's not just you know. People say golf's. I think the mental game sometimes gets too much credit for for actually. You know, I think mental people suffer mentally because they're just not technically good enough to know what they're doing. And well, I think. Yeah. And just to kind of build on that, I, I know what I can do and what I can't right. do. And, and I very much, um, a mentor of mine who was a, a former, um, baseball, uh, 22 year league base, uh, MLB baseball player, um, said to me, uh, I asked him one time, I said, Hey, um, you know, what took you from like a minor league or college or minor league player to like almost a hall of famer. And he said, you know, I knew what I could do really, really well. And I didn't try and he was like a super fast leadoff hitter. So he was like, I'm never going to try and be like a Mark McGuire or a Sammy Sosa or, you know, someone who's just there, Barry Bonds, who's trying to hit home runs. If I do that, then I'm gonna have to find a new job because I'm gonna get cut from my team. So that kind of that also hit home with me. So when I'm out there, you know, I, I don't have all the all the shots I used to have, you know, when I was still playing. Um, and so I know what I can do really well right now and what I can't do. And I'm very good at staying in my lane. Yeah, um, the discipline of that. Know, and, I, and I've seen that. Yeah, like there, there's no hero shots. There's no, no and you just have. It, you know, just a very consistent, compact game. And I'd agree. Like if, if yeah. you, if like, I would say most times if you are suffering in a round, it's typically because you just didn't make a couple putts for birdie to get ahead. Not right. You know, you know that's, yeah, that's really what it I is. I don't usually, 
and, and if you know if my body's not feeling good one day or you know i wasn't able to get a long warm-up in because i you know i had to take care of my my toddler at home um you know and i just got to roll up to the course like like i know what i can do with my golf swing um with how my body might be feeling and i think a lot of people kind of don't understand that and i think that's you know um and people i think try and do things outside of their lane um yeah. in a sense so you know if um you you got to you got to dance with the girl that you took to the dance you know you can't um you got to roll with what you got and uh, i think people try and maybe do things that they can't you know, and, or to try and look a certain way or to try and play a certain way. And, um, I think if you can just understand what you're doing, what you do, um, you know, do that to the best you can. And I think you'll, I think golf scores will be had that way. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. And then another, another quick thing before we move into your coaching is that the mindset you bring to golf is I think also a huge advantage where, you know, um, and this is actually one thing you and I, like you, you identified to me really early was that I, you know, I would be very frantic. I'd show up to the course, like just how you show up to the course mood wise, like your, your round actually starts when you wake up at like five, six in the morning. Totally. Absolutely. You know, that's one of the things that, that you, I learned from you very quickly. It's like, and I talked about this in an earlier podcast about, you know, golf is your, I think success in golf is a holistic thing with how you feel and how about your life and how you feel as a person. And I look, I learned a lot of that from you. And and so maybe you tap into how you evolved into that person, you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. So I'm a guy that, um, just kind of like, again, kind of tapping on, you know, knowing what I do best. So if I, if I wake up an hour before my tea time and I don't get to, you know, go through my morning routine of my coffee and my shower and, whatever I got in my stretch, whatever I got to do, you know, everyone's morning routines might be a little different, but, um, if if I don't do that, uh, I just don't feel right on the golf course, especially where I think you got to be like, you got to have your T's crossed and your I's dotted before you get to the course. Um, and so, uh, doing all those things gets me like kind of in the mindset I need to be that I'm not like rushing to the course. Uh, I just don't do well in like that setting where I'm like, I'm rushing and I'm trunk slamming and I'd rather like to me, like I'd rather wake up an hour earlier, no matter what time I got to tee off. Like I'd rather just wake up earlier, mm-hmm. you know, I'll catch up on the sleep another time. Um, but if I just wake up earlier, I can do all my things in the morning, um, that I need to do that I know I need to do. Uh, and then I can get to the course when I need to get to the course. Um, and when I want to, when truly, when I want to get to the course, and then I can just like, you know, I'm not rushed. I'm not, I'm never really rushing to the first tee if I, you know, can help it. Um, and so then, uh, it just gets me in the right mindset, the right, like rhythm, the right flow. Um, you know, I'm, then I'm like, I've, I've stepped onto the first tee, you, you know, 90% of the time. And I feel like, um, yeah, like I'm, I'm ready. Like I'm ready to go. Like I kind of took care of the hard part of waking up early, you know, doing what I needed to do already. And I look at other people and like, I don't know, like their hair is a mess because they didn't even have time to take a shower because they needed like an extra like 10 minutes of sleep, which is, I don't know, overrated to me. So, um, 
Yeah, I just feel yeah. like, you know, my my calmness is like that that's what drives my calmness for me. And then I just feel a little bit more in my element um stepping onto the first tee. Yeah, absolutely. That was a big that was a big that was a big piece I learned. There's just a there's like a stoicism that exists. Totally. And like absolutely. from the minute you enter from the minute you you are at the golf course. And it's like you're yep. never in a hurry to get there or leave. You're just very, it's yeah, like there's like, a level of presence. And that was as coming from like where I was, I was very frantic and very just like, you know, uh, ADD and like, you know, I, I realized that was a big crutch for me, especially when we were first playing. I was like, man, yeah. I'm like, I'm not ready. Chaos. I'm not ready for, to, to actually be present. And, you right. know, yeah. and I was like, that was yeah, a big yeah. wake up call. It just, you know, amongst other things. So, so now, you know, so some guys can do that though. You know, yeah. like some people can't. And if you can do that, hey, like, great. But I think, you know, I don't think people are honest with themselves in like what they can and can't do. And I think if if golfers can get a little bit more honest with themselves on what they can and can't do, they will actually shoot better scores instead of trying to do what you can or, or what you can't do. You know, totally. um, just if they can lean on what they, you know, can do, I think they would do. Play so then how, how did you learn to manage the ego? Cause as a guy and especially as a competitive yeah. guy, right? Like we're yeah. all like, yeah, I can do more. I could, like, you know, sure. when, when, when did you learn to manage the ego? Was it? That's a good, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, you know, so, uh, a mentor of mine, uh, old mentor, mentor of mine back home, um, we used to talk a lot about ego, you know, what is it really? Uh, we talked about being present, um, you know, he, I would, you know, go as far as say he was probably like my mental coach at one point. Um, and, um, we, uh, got, uh, I don't know, like a life coach kind of guy named Vern Howard. That was kind of like, uh, his guy. And he tried to relay that stuff to me. And he was all about like being present. Another guy named Eckhart Tolle was like a guy I would kind of like look into his stuff. Um, you know, the power of now is Eckhart's thing. Yeah. So, um, you know, I kind of, you know, the ego is something that like, we just kind of make up in my opinion, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, um, I think it's just something we make up and build up in our own minds of, you know, um, you know, and, and it's, if we can just take a breath from time to time and say like, what is really important here? So is it really important for me to try and like hit a hoisted like three iron over a water to a tucked pin? So I have like 10 feet for Eagle or can I just like hit my like low skanky, like three iron to like the right of the water, like to the right fringe and have like 45 feet for Eagle because you know, like the percentages of making that 10 footer for Eagle aren't even that high. So, um, can I just like lag my 50 footer from the, from the, you know, away from the water and get a birdie that way, you know, like, you know, what is really important here? You know, what risks are worth taking? And, and, you know, if you can manage that and yeah, if you're like playing like, you know, with your boys or something, that's different than if you're playing in a tournament, but um, you know, the more you can practice, like kind of managing those expectations, um, you know, because expectations and pressure is something we build and put in ourselves, you know. So if we can have manage our expectations, I think is a big thing. Um, having less expectations, I think, is a very important thing. Uh, so, yeah. And that, and that taps into another piece, diverting from the ego, is another skill that you 
have that also, you know, um, cause you didn't really know what decade or any of that was, but what I did also find interesting no. is that your course management awareness and your, yeah. your still is, is something I'm still trying to digest and glean. Cause you know, one of the things I, I find fascinating whenever I ask you about shots and, and even when I get you to do assessments of, of situations I've been in is the amount of inputs you're taking in to make a decision. Yeah. Right. And yeah. I think, you know, when you're depending on where you're at with your game, your ability to take in those inputs can be clouded by fear or uh, trying to execute Absolutely. the technique correctly or, you know, whatever. Yep. And what was so interesting hearing you, especially when we ca- when I caddied for you and hearing kind of recaps of different shots was just saying like, you know, I'd ask you about a shot and you'd be like, well, there's this slope here and we're on this grass. I know the wind's coming off here. And so this is, the, this is my option, right? This is yeah. what I'm doing because of this, this, yeah. and this, right? And I was like, yeah. oh, wow. Like just the depth of inputs I found so fascinating on, and, and this goes to kind of the level, I think, between good golfers and that next jump of like people playing checkers versus chess. And you hear that and you're kind of like, yeah, but what yeah. are you talking about? And it's like, no, no, no. It's, it's that situational awareness of, yeah. of taking in those inputs and being able to make a decision and then executing. Yeah, totally. You know, there's like a, there's a, um, Phil Mickelson was a guest on, on David Ferry. Oh, I love that clip so and, much. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure you know the clip I'm going to bring up. So he talks about like, you know, uh, someone hitting their wedge, like 120 yards or something it was. And then he goes through like, okay, well, have you factored in like the wetness of the grass? Are you into the green? Well, take, you know, you got to add five yards there. Are you down green? Now you can take off five yards, you know, uh, wet club face. Well, that always spins the ball less wet golf ball, you know, all these things. Right. So that's something I became very good at just through experience, but also like being very aware of like putting things into my computer and my memory of, you know, it, not trying to just be like a caveman out there and like, you know, uh, realizing the situations I'm in so I can, uh, you know, replicate, um, the knowledge. Right. So, um, I was always very diligent, um, about having a very organized yardage book when I was playing. Mm-hmm. So, um, for example, like if I'm playing in a foreground tournament, um, with two practice rounds, let's say of a tournament, a tournament week. Uh, and I come up to like, I don't know, the sixth hole of a golf course and it's a par three. And in my first practice round, it's like 180 yards. Let's just say, um, well, you know, that might be like that. That was like a, you know, a pretty stock, like, you know, seven iron for me. Like, you know, it was like between 175 and 180 for me, a seven iron. And, um, okay. So like first inclination is like, yeah, just reach for your seven iron and flag it. Well, okay, the greens are firm. So if I if I fly it to the hole, it's just going to bounce. Now that seven iron is going to end up at 190, 30 feet past. The green's sloping from back to front. So now I've got a super downhill putt. Okay, what's it to kit? What's the front edge of the green? Okay, so the front edge, so the pin's, um, you know, 15 on. So now the front of the green is only 165. Well, now my, that's like a really, really clean number for my eight iron. That's like stock flying eight iron, 165. Okay, cool. So, um, so now that, and if I, you know, if I fly the eight iron one sixty five on a firm green, maybe it gets, you know, twenty feet of rollout or twenty five feet of rollout. Next thing you know, that that eight iron just went like one seventy five. Now I'm five yards short of the flag, and I've got fifteen feet. And, um, you know, yeah. do I hit my eight iron one hundred and seventy five or one hundred eighty yards? No, of course not. But uh, I know that that eight iron 
if I fly at 165, it's it's not going to be at 165. If I fly my seven iron at 175 in that situation, it's not going to end up at 175. So um, then I would write down like little notes in my yardage book. Okay, it was 180 pin. I hit stock stock eight iron. It pitched at 165 and ended up at 176. So I would kind of write that down, and then the next day I would have a reference reference point, right? right? And I might even jot down like the wind direction a little bit. So, you know, all these things I would just kind of throw in my computer, you know, if, if, you know, and then I would have it written down too. So, um, just all things yeah. I learned on how to like kind of be a pro, right? These are all pro things I learned how to do. I try and do it to this day just because my game isn't what it used to be. So if I want to compete in tournaments, I have to be diligent about doing these things. Got it. Um, so that now leads us into Max Cohen, the coach. And yeah. I think, you know, from the, for the listener's perspective, as you guys can see, the breadth of experience here and all these things put together. When I met you and started getting all this information, I went like, oh, yeah, this is, this is, this is what I need. You know, I think when I, one thing I learned in my music career was that, you know, I only want to take advice from people whose results I want to emulate and who have experience and actually know. A lot of people teach from a theoretical perspective, I, that's not, that wasn't for me. And I think what makes you a great coach is one, you're a a good yardstick for me as a player to play against and kind of go like, if I can't, if I can't hang with you, well then like I've got way more work to do. Right. Right. So it's like, I needed that. But then two, having and and you know the lack of ego you bring to playing i think is also your biggest asset as a coach because you bring that into your coaching career because you you're very patient and very able to meet your student where they are and and adapt your knowledge to where they are and then bring them to where they want to be if that's the journey they choose and i very much found that uh in in what we've done because you know really when we started grinding was about summer of 2021 after I'd kind of shit the bed in a bunch of tournaments and realized that where I was, was not it. Um, sure. And then you kind of said to me, like, you're focusing on the wrong things. You're not practicing correctly. And I, and, and I, again, cause I didn't know, I didn't know what to do really. It was like, I had ideas of, totally, of yeah. what a good golfer could be. And it was, sure. it was all these things that kind of we've talked about so far of, okay, well, we gotta we gotta fix some inherent flaws that are making you poor, which is that's when we started getting rid of the early extension, and then how you practice. You know, changing the way I looked at reps. I my range sessions weren't structured, right? I was I was playing a lot, and I was probably like I was I just really enjoyed playing, and that was kind of my escape. Um, but learning how to get value out of a range session, and that was actually really cool. Right. It made it made range sessions. Um, I really, it actually made me love practicing. I'm the type of person that likes to practice. So, so I think learning how to practice was empowering and, and take that forward. And, uh, so I think, you know, just the combination of all those things, I think is just when you look for a coach and if you're looking for somebody for your game, right. Finding somebody that can, uh, that aligns with your, your personality and how you like to learn. And then also, has the pedigree of where you want to go and has the knowledge, I think is super important with picking a coach. And, um, I'm, you know, I I got really lucky that you kind of 
emerged into my life at the perfect time in the perfect apex. And, you know, we've been rocking ever since. And, and I think what's really exciting is now being kind of three years in is how much progress we've been able to make, you know, and I think also too, I was able to catch you early in your coaching career when you were also yeah. just, you were just starting. So yeah, worked, for sure. I wish, um, I wish that I had the knowledge and coaching that I have now when we started. I mean, I'm sure every coach wishes that they, you know, some form of that uh, in their lives. But, um, you know, especially like in the last, you know, uh, I don't know, year and a half or two years, what what I think I've been able to learn some more technical things to apply to what, you know, to my like player experience, I guess, or you know, the values I have as a player, um, that I'm able to relate to you. Um, and the combination, I think, especially as of late, it's been, it's been pretty cool evolution. I think the last, like, I don't know, eight months that we've been able to like, or 10 months or whatever it's been, you know, the last little bit, um, there's been some pretty cool switches and changes and, um, that I think are exciting for me to see, uh, you know, what, what's in store for you. And, and, and that excites me. Because I think what else, what was also great was that when you have a coach that you trust and knows, right, then when you make right or wrong moves, when you get feedback both ways, you go, okay, got it. It's it's not there. You know, like I remember when you telling me like, like, fuck off with the autoflex, fuck off with all this. Like you're not doing pro stuff. You're doing YouTube influencer yeah. golf. And I think this is also right. where, you know if you guys see my content kind of change where I stopped trying to be a YouTuber and I was like, wait a second, I'm not on the right path for, for my goal. Cause the first thing I said yeah. to you was my priorities. I want to see if I can become pro level golfer. Right. And being, being a creator was, was secondary to that. And so we've held that standard. And I think the evolutions that we've built in and, and what's crazy is that um, and I think also too with coaches and, and I was skeptical of golf coaches in general getting into this because I, 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 I wanted somebody that I, that could, that knew, I knew cared and wanted to see me grow. And I was afraid of, fi- of not finding that right person. So I just got re- I just got sure. really lucky. Um, yeah, there's, I mean, there's definitely a lot of coaches out there, um, that I, I don't want to say bad coaches but i would say like um it's hard finding the right fit right you know i i mean i've been through my own trial and error of coaches and um i I don't know if i would ever like say i had a bad coach but there were times where um it just wasn't the right fit and 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 i don't think there's anything wrong with like um telling your coach like hey i just don't think this is the right fit you know if you don't find the right one but finding the right fit, I think, is like, um, you know, it's a really important thing. Yeah, and and I think also, you know, being it's also on the student. So, like, because there's a couple things. One is I don't think uh, students give their coach enough time to allow the swing changes to happen. Like knowing what I know now, right? Like stuff that you and I started in that summer of 2021 is now at a point yeah. where it is like cake. Right. But it, it took that time for me to practice it as much as I practice it, to have the patience, to not bail on the process. And I also right. think coaches also aren't given necessarily time from their students to bake in the changes. So I think there's also that push and pull of like golfers go in there. And, and, and true, at the beginning, there were a lot of times where I was like, I wanted to improve faster. 
but le- but sure. learning, you know, just how, like how long it takes to implement a change. You have to trust that it, you got to give your coach also that time. Like you have to build that relationship and that trust for the evolution to exist. And I think that's also been interesting learning just about how, how golf improvement really moves the needle. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I definitely, I think in the last, as a golf coach in the last like year and a half or so, um, I used to kind of have a, a, a mentality of you have to get a little bit worse before you get better. And I've completely changed my tune on that in the last year and a half. I think, I think a lot of that's also just from like education and learn and learning I've done over the last little bit. Um, I definitely used to try and get everyone to fit one swing, swing mold. Um, and I, you know, I used to just tell everybody, Hey, just rotate. <laughs> but, uh, just from things I've learned, uh, you know, I know not everyone can do everything. Um, and so the, I've definitely have gone into more of like, you know, and you can probably attest to this in our last, I don't know, bunch of lessons. Uh, every lesson we've had, uh, I don't think you've gotten worse. I think you get better. And and the tune that I go with now is like, if you're going to give me your money, um, uh, if a client's going to pay me, give me their hard hard earned money. I got to make them. I got to get them better right away. And um, you know, they need to leave feeling good about their lesson um and not bad about like i just got worse no like um i think if if you go see a golf coach now and they say you're going to get worse before you get better uh, i just i just don't really believe that believe in that anymore i i think you should have improvement right away yeah yeah i and i feel that but i think there are things that and maybe this is unique to maybe my experience based on my expectations. Cause I think, I think if you're trying to just be like a regular amateur, slap it around, there are yes. certain things that like hundred percent, you can walk away some, with some tangible stuff. I do think there's an impatience with golfers that we like, there are things that you told me eight months ago, you know, certain like internal rotation things that like finally click after Right. Eight months of workouts and fixing things in my body, you know? So I think also to being able to have the patience of like, just because the lesson may not have that payoff immediately, I think sticking with it and sticking with one system, like I'm, I, people, you can't, um, you can't believe in, in multiple religions, right? Everyone's, you have one religion. And I believe that with golf coaches, right? Golf coaches, like you can only have one because if you start combining it all, like this, the, the sauce gets messed up. And I think, absolutely. Yeah. I I think what's what, you know, from my own experience is us tailoring it in and and we've tried different paths, but a lot of that too has been experimenting to see which one would be my identity. Yeah, for sure. And it's that, that's actually been like cool for me to, to kind of use, use you to, to experiment some things um, because a, you're athletically very gifted and you move well and your, you know, your body works quite well. Um, so we're able to kind of see what's the best fit for you. Um, you know, you also are blessed with time. Like you're able to put in a lot of time into this. Um, so, so that's like super fun for me and a lot of things we do. Um, and you know, and so, you know, we've, we've had like in, you know, in an hour or two hour lesson with, uh, you know, me and you, there's been like the first 30 minutes I've been like, you know, we've been working on something and I might, I've, 
I know I've even said like, scrap the last 30 minutes, let's try something Mm -hmm. new, you know? And so, um, but yeah, I think, you know, if I'm working with like, you know, more of a average everyday amateur, then, um, it's a little bit less of, you know, I think they're going to get better before they get worse. Um, I just, no, I don't think it's the other way around. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and it's exactly, it's building that trust and then, and also committing to, uh, committing to the changes and not wanting to deviate five minutes later when it feels uncomfortable on your own. Yeah. You definitely, definitely need to embrace discomfort um, and not fight it. If you can embrace discomfort and, I think that's when someone's really going to start to see more results. Um, and then further down the road, they're just going to get better and better and better and better. Yeah. What would you say has been your biggest revelation recently as a coach? What's it, what's, what's the, like the, the latest thing you've kind of picked up on that gets you, that gets mm. you excited? Uh, lately it's been, uh, chain rolling with what the player does naturally, uh, for me, uh, you know, getting people to just, um, you know, if, if I don't know, early extension is such a, it has such a bad rap in the golf industry, in the golf world and media and social media right now, you know, being an early extender. Um, and so instead of working on just straight away on someone's early extension, for example, um, I'm going to let them potentially early extend and then, and figure out why. Um, because that's usually some sort of reaction, um, and, uh, to something else. Right. So, um, so yeah, I'm, you know, I'm letting people kind of move how they naturally move, um, and then utilizing that as much as possible. So, uh, for example, like a student of mine is, uh, he was a college volleyball player. So naturally he's like a big jumper, right? He just loves to jump. Right. Uh, and he can obviously jump quite high. He also has like super duper long arms and long legs. Like it's like super, it's like way longer than like his height is, you know, his wingspan. I think he's like six, two or six, three. And, um, his wingspan got to be like six, seven. So he's got like crazy long arms, uh, and his legs are like super long too. So, you know, is a guy like that going to like sit and rotate and, you know, eh, Probably not, you know, uh, that's going to be hard for him to do with how long his legs are and how long his arms are. He's going to have to get his arms like super bent and he's going to run out of run out of arm at some point. So, um, so, but he likes to just jump. So I've been kind of working on him like, all right, let's like, let's just get more vertical, like let's jump higher. Right. So, um, yeah. And, you know, I I think a few years ago, I, I probably would have tried to take the jump out of him. Um, and yeah, I think just kind of revolutionizing and evolving myself as a golf right. coach has been, it's been fun for me for sure. It's, you know, trying to learn all the time. Yeah. And that's, as a student of yours, that's one thing I always, I appreciate is that you're not stagnant. You're constantly training. Yeah. Up, like you've, you're constantly experimenting. Like there's no, and you're not dogmatic to a fault. And, and I, and I like that. Cause you know, I look at a golf coach is similar to what I do in music of like, you're trying to help the artist get to their end result, right. Of, of the right end result based on what totally. they do best. Yeah. Right. And so. Absolutely. Yeah. Like yeah. I, th- that's, that was a, uh, a key thing for me. And, and one thing that I feel like we've done, we've done really well. I think the difference maybe between me and, and to give some context, you know, to wrap this up kind of saying like how we work together, 
as I think, you know, from the beginning, my goal has always been to see if I can get to the most elite golf I can possibly pull off for myself. And so I yeah. think the difference for how we've gone about it is that as opposed to maybe we've tried a variety of different routes to see what is going to be the most repeatable and make me the most competitive. And I've been willing to go down any, any of those routes full force to go, totally. what is going to make me the most pro like basically from, from taking all your experience, all your learning, how do we mold myself into the most confident and the most pro? And yeah, I think now we're at a point where the swing has matured to we're in that pocket where it's refining from here. And I think that's been the most exciting is it's taken, it's taken me a while to figure out what makes my identity of who I am. I didn't, I didn't have an identity as a golfer. Uh, yeah, that's a real, that's a good point. And, you know, finding your identity as a golfer is, uh, I think a really important, important thing. Cause I want to go, cause I'm, you know, gleaning from your learnings and this is like, as you guys can see, right? Like, like the max you're getting today is the max I've been fortunate to get for years. So it's like, you hear these different kind of pieces and I'm always trying to take those different pieces of learning and go, okay, like, you know, what makes him great at course management and, and getting rid of the ego is he, he knows how he plays. So it's like, I needed to figure, I didn't actually know how I played. I had no idea. I would just freewheel it. And then I went, Oh, that doesn't work. Like you can't yeah. just show up and freewheel yeah. it. Okay, wait, Yeah, I'm showing up half hour before and I'm chugging a coffee and I'm not, I'm not centered. Okay, wait a second. I got to scale that back, you know? And, and yeah. I think, uh, to call you just my golf coach would probably be doing a disservice to the value and the role you play in, in, in my, in my world. Right. I think, yeah, no, like totally. you're not just swing mechanics, right. You're you've, you've been on the mental side, on the, the friend side, just more holistic. And I think also too, that's where I've been very lucky. And I think if you're a competitive golfer trying to find your person, I think if you can find somebody that, that, um, can fit that bucket well. And I guess, you know, I just got really lucky where like you and I symbiotically just work very well. Um, totally. Yeah. You know, and I, I do, there's a, I definitely think, so like I consider myself a golf coach, not a swing technician. Um, yeah. I've worked myself with swing technicians and I've worked with golf coaches and I think finding what each person needs. Um, I think it's not so easy to find that. And I think it's, um, very important to find what you need. Some people need a swing technician. Um, you know, like I know you've brought up like Ryan Hawley, who's a good friend of mine. Yeah. Um, and I've done work with myself with him and, um, he has a role like he, he knows, and he would definitely call himself a swing technician, totally. not a swing coach. Totally. Um, and we use, and, and we use Ryan for exactly that. We go, we go yeah. get the x-ray done of the swing and he's provided tremendous value to what we've done. Absolutely. But, yeah. But when I'm, I, we need, we need exactly. Ryan. <laughs> and, and, and Ryan yeah. will, is going to have his own episode too. Um, but I think where, you know, I'm, I'm calling you when it's good and it's bad to go, okay, here's, what do I do? Right. What totally. do I do? And totally. it's not, it's not, yeah. where do I put my hands or, you know, on the, in the position in this, in the swing, it's, it's okay. Something's right. off. Right. And I right. think that has been tremendous value for me. Um, and that's why I, I love you with everything I got because it's like the transformation, I think, though, I wish selfishly, I was maybe further ahead in the journey, what you've done to help me as a person, I think the wins from that have been so much greater 
And, and I think sure. in the past couple of years, you know, I think having a coach in your life that, that truly gives a shit about you. And I, and I, that was something I never had in music. I had to do everything in so much isolation. Right. And so right, having somebody right. in your life that like, you know, when the chips have been down, it's like, you're, you got my back. And, and, and when, and when things have been cooking, you got my back and that's just been unreal. So I'm eternally grateful yeah. for you for that. And I'm very lucky to have you in my corner. No, it's, it's super fun for me, man. Like, um, you know, I give a lot of shits about you. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, yeah, like a lot of, a lot of. People, uh, I so, appreciate um, it, man. It's like it's yeah. it's uh, it's it's a wonderful it's a wonderful thing to have. So, like I said, yeah, I'm eternally grateful for you. Um, anyway, guys, hopefully that gives you a little bit of background on uh, my coach Max. That's how I, that's how I always refer to you in all my videos. My coach Max, my coach Max, my coach Max. So coach I feel Max, like that's yeah. I just I get you that. get your merch. Um, <laughs> yeah. Give him a follow, Max Cohen Golf on Instagram. Um, he is available for online lessons and in-person lessons here in the lower mainland. Highly recommend as you and, guys can tell. Uh, also, also starting, uh, like basically now, uh, at the new house of golf in Langley, I'm available for Sweet. lessons. And that place is Trackman and it's unreal. So anyway, brother, all Trackman days. Thank you so much yeah. for your time. I appreciate it. I love you. And, uh, I'll, uh, I'll see you next week for a lesson. Sounds good. Cheers, dog. Brother.